This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 80, with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Link. Echo Charles sitting across from me. What's up, EC? What's up? I uh, want to address something, man. <clears throat> and, and sure, this is something we talk about, and we're going to talk about it again. One of the biggest problems that you can have as a human being is a lack of self-awareness. That is one of the biggest problems that you can have as a human being. And what's crazy about it is, if, let's say there's someone, Fred, Fred has no self-awareness. If Fred sees something, if Fred sees someone else doing what he's doing, he immediately sees it's a violation. Yeah, 100% he's like, oh wow, could they be doing that? He's thinking violation. Mm-hmm. But when, when Fred does it himself, then he doesn't see it. Yeah. He either doesn't see it himself, which means he's totally lacking self-awareness, or he doesn't think other people can see what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So you really, truly, have to learn to detach. And we talk about how to get that done. We talk about taking a step back. We talk about writing things down. We talk about ways to separate your actions from your assessment of those actions. You, you talk, we talk about ways to separate what you're doing and pulling yourself out so you can actually see what you're doing and not be the one doing it. So you can, like Fred, when the time calls for it, you can say, oh, I'm violating basic principles yeah. right now. I'm being dumb. Yeah. If you think right now, if you're, if you're listening and you think like, oh, I don't ever lose self-awareness, this is for you. Mm. This is, that's, a, that's a little mind trick that's happening, right? Where you think you always can see everything. That's when you actually can't. Mm. <laughs> if, you think, if you think that no one can ever see the moves that you're making, this is for you. This is for you. If you think, if you're, if you're right now, you're like, dude, Jocko's a little bit wrong, man. He's a little bit wrong here. Mm. I, no one can see these moves that I'm making. Mm. No one can tell that I'm taking care of myself right now. Mm. If you're thinking that right now, mm-hmm. you're who I'm talking to. Everyone can see it. They can see it. They do see it. Sometimes people can be so unaware that they don't even consider what other people are thinking. They just carry on. Like you see Fred, he's just doing what he's doing. He can't even comprehend that someone else could see it. It's not even part of the equation at all. It's not like, hey, they probably don't see it or hey, this is what I'm doing and it's, but they can't, no. They, they don't even recognize that that could be a thing. Yeah. I've known people that are that lacking in self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So you have to be on the watch for that. We have to be careful. Uh, think about what other people are thinking, right? This is the this is the dichotomy of like, I don't care what anybody else thinks, mm-hmm. which is in some ways a really good attitude to have, and in some ways it's a really horrible attitude to have, mm-hmm. right? In some ways it's great to say, hey, you know what? I don't care what they think. Yeah. Also, if you think that and you act like that, you're probably being seen as a, by a bunch of people as someone that's looking out for themselves, as someone that's an egomaniac, as someone that they don't want to hang around with. Like, that's what's happening. Yeah. So how are we going to detach? What, you know, we, I always talk about writing as a tool for detachment because when you write things down, you are physically detached. You can see the words on the page now. But here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down your intent mm. when you're doing something. When you're going into a meeting, what's your intent? Your true intent. What is it? Write that thing down. Write that thing down. And now, once you've written it down, imagine that you're walking into this meeting and you have that intent printed on your forehead. (laughs) Yep, that's a good one. You might as well. Yeah. You might as well. Because if you go in there thinking that they're not gonna know your intent, they're going to. Now listen, they might not know your exact intent, but as we say, intent has a smell, and they're damn sure gonna smell it. And they know it smells bad. They, you put some perfume over it, right? Put some, what's the cologne, if you're a dude, right? Put the cologne (laughs) cologne. or the the deodorant. Put that on, you can mop that on there. And people smell that and they even still say, no. When they put the the little pine tree, right, in the taxi cab, you get in there, man, it still smells terrible. Like it smells pine needles and whatever (laughs) else. 
Funk. Not yeah. good. Funk. Yep. So you can try and cover it up, but you can't. So write down what your intent is. So you can detach from it, so you can see it. And once you see it, know this. That intent that you have, it flows into how you carry yourself. It flows into the way the words come out of your mouth. It's part of you. It's truly part of you, and you can't cover it up. And I've seen people that think they can do this. And it's... (laughs) The lack of self-awareness is is horrible. You know, it's like uh, you see someone that has. You ever heard a report from someone that's? Um, oh, I have a great relationship with that person, mm. and the other person literally hates them. Yeah, I've, that's how unaware they are. Mm. I have a great relationship with Fred. Fred tr- hates me, despises me, and I think I have a great relationship. Mm. That's that's how bad it gets. So you got to be more suspect of yourself you got to be more suspect of yourself you don't sound as cool as you think you do you do you don't sound as slick as you think you do Mm -hmm. by the way you really don't right i talk about meryl streep and robert de niro you're not (laughs) meryl streep you're not robert de niro you're not acting you're not fooling anybody you aren't that good at acting doesn't work Mm. so if you Sit down and you write down your intent and your intent is bad. And if you if you would feel ashamed to walk into the meeting with your intent written on your t-shirt. Mm. Hey, my goal in this meeting is to get is to look good in front of the boss so I can get promoted. Mm. If that's how you if that's what your intent is, and listen, everybody knows it. If that's what your intent is, you need to do some soul searching and change your intent. Your intent is bad. Your intent is bad. You should change your intent to, okay, I am going to help with the mission. I'm going to put the team first. That's my intent. Now, this is where people get get messed up. They get jammed up. Jammed up. Is I think, well, but I really want to get promoted. Okay, so you walk into that meeting with that intent, and guess what? Everyone can see it. No one wants to work with you. Your boss thinks you're an ass kisser. It's all bad. Yeah. If, you're, if you change your intent, you go, you know what? Okay, I don't care about getting promoted. What I want to do is help the team, put the team first, and, and accomplish the mission. Imagine you walk in with that on your shirt. Mm. And the other teammates go, I put the team first. They see that. They smell it. And they go right on. Mm. The boss smells, oh, Jocko really cares about the team. Oh, okay. He, re- he really wants to get the mission done. Okay. They smell that. Now they get a positive impression. Now they're like, oh, we want to help. The rest of the teams are like, yeah, we want to help you too. You know what you end up doing? You end up getting promoted. Mm-hmm. That's the byproduct. Yeah. That's the byproduct of what's going on. So if you're in t- write down your intent. Do some soul searching. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie on that piece of paper. By the way, this is the kind of piece of paper you better hide, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't want your freaking... <laughs> You know, someone rummaging through your office and they say, my intent for this meeting is to get promoted. (laughs) Right? So, write down your intent. And if your intent is not a pure, positive, selfless intent, become a better person. Become a better person. And that will absolutely help you. It'll help your team. It'll help you accomplish the mission. And it'll help you win. So there you go. Something to think about. Yeah, yeah we uh, we talk about like obvious little things like name dropping mm-hmm. and you know like someone trying to one up somebody, whatever. Yeah. It's like this is all like. I used to have conversations with my brother mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff. Where so he would start debates with people. Oh yeah, Jay Just, Charles. Yeah, hundred percent. After a while, like, (laughs) (laughs) and let's face, sometimes it's fun. You know, it depends on who you're hanging around with. But sometimes, straight up, like some people don't want that. Some people, hey, most people are cool with it for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, more like ten minutes. But yeah, you make a good point. But and yeah, put it this way: the point is, different people like it to varying degrees, Mm -hmm. right? Some people, but they don't like that. Right, and after a while, it's kind of like, hey, you might rub people the wrong way. It's always trying to start debating and wait, but you're, you know, 
So anyway, we'd have these conversations when we I talked to him about that kind of stuff. Um, and the way I put it, which actually you put it better, but the way I put it is what you're saying is correct. Like the words that you're saying, like all your little points that you're making, that's all correct. So what you're saying is right, but what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah. And then I'm like, so why the heck? Cause I'm sure I've done it before too. I'm sure like, you know, we, I, I, it's not like this rare thing. So I'm thinking, why is that kind of hard sometimes? And the in- intent having a smell is mm-hmm. the perfect way to put it, put it because it doesn't have a look. It doesn't have a sound, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some tones here and there, but you can more smell it than anything. Yeah, yeah, and, and even the words can be the opposite of the smell, but the smell matters. Exactly right. The smell matters more. And that was part of my point when I said what you're saying is literally correct, what you're saying, but what you're doing is wrong. So this is why it's hard. This is why I think anyway, because you sometimes don't even consciously, you're not thinking of your intent. Sometimes you are, but sometimes you're not. The thing is, it doesn't matter, but because you think it's in your head, they can't see it. They can't hear it. All they can hear is your words, Mm -hmm. right? So you think there's the message. There's a message they're picking up on, right? Meanwhile, it stinks badly too. (laughs) And you know, and so, yeah, that, and that's, again, that's like the good way to put it where it's like, it, it has a smell and no matter what you do, no matter what, how you cover it up, I like the cologne analogy too, mm-hmm. because when you put cologne on that stink, it's just yet another stink smell. Mm-hmm. And it's actually worse <laughs> because now they, they uh, picked up on your original intent and the fact yeah. that you're trying to cover it up with some other yeah. like in uh, disingenuous yeah. stuff. So I was like, man, we got to keep, keep that under wraps, man. And I guess that's like an exercise, right? Like you got to kind of. Well, that's the exercise. Write it down. Yeah. That's the exercise. And what's interesting is like you said, a lot of times people don't even recognize that they have an intent, but you do. Yeah. It's running in, it's, there's a decent chance that it's running in the background. Yeah. Like the operating system is running in the background for this meeting, for this life, for this, this job, this yeah. family. Like imagine you're going to talk to your wife and you have your intent written on your head. Ooh. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yep, 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 yep. And she's gonna smell that. Yeah. And if it's not a good intent, she's gonna know. Yeah. Your kids, same thing. They're gonna know. And they're also gonna know if you're doing something good. Mm. They're also gonna know if you're, if you're doing something for the right reason. Yeah. You know, you work, let's say somebody, you're working with somebody, maybe they, they, they have a relationship, you know, a work relationship with someone else that you don't get along with. Mm. If you're like, well, I'm gonna sneak around and, you know, try and make a maneuver. Mm. Everyone's gonna smell that. Yeah. But if you're just like, hey man, good to meet you, yeah. you know? Hey, good to meet you, Fred. Hey, well, let's. What can I do to support? Yeah. If that's your intent, truly. But if you're like, "Hey, Fred, what can I do to support you?" And they're gonna know that. Oh, yeah. you're just trying to, get, you know, make a maneuver here. No, yeah. don't let that happen. Clean yeah. your intent. Be a good human. This will help you. Yeah. This will help you in the long run. These little conniving moves that you're making are not gonna help you in the long run. Yeah. Hey, they might get you that one promotion. Everyone hates you. Mm. Right, they might get you that one yeah. promotion, but they don't get you the next one. Yeah, you have to leave that company. It's just a disaster. Like Jordan Peterson talks about psychopaths, they have to leave. Yeah. Like they, they have to live in Detroit. Then they, do. and these aren't like I'm not talking about psychopaths that are murderers. Mm. I'm just talking about like the the non-murdering psychopaths, right. people that are just you know they're screwing people over and they're and they have to leave. They can only do nine months in Detroit. Then they got to go to Chicago for six right. months. Then they go to Cincinnati. They just got. They got to go from place to place. There's burning bridges everywhere. Yeah. So don't do that. There you go. Yeah, that's gonna take some practice though, because there are some innocent situations. Like let's say, you want to debate with me? No, 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 no. I'm saying you're. Cause I believe that you were 100 percent correct. I'm saying, okay. If you keep it in mind, you'll probably understand that. Hey, you might have to really keep. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to put some effort into this yeah. st- stuff sometimes. Because, let's say I make some coffee for mm. my wife or whatever. Oh no, how about this? Let's say I clean the living room or something. Mm. You know, I clean it up nice because I know she likes it clean. Mm. But let's say she walks by the living room, she didn't, even, she didn't even see. Mm-hmm. You know, I want her to see the clean living room and be happy. You know, yeah. but I still want that credit too. Yeah. You know, so she walks by it. Walk right out the door, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm very compelled to flag her down and be like, "Hey, did you notice the living room I cleaned yeah. up? You know, I want that. You know, I want that praise or credit you can or even whatever." Get aggressive with that, like, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. I've I've seen situations where people are aggressive about wanting that credit. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, as soon as you're aggressive about wanting the credit, the credit's worthless. <laughs> it's totally worthless. Like when you're like, "Hey babe, did you see I cleaned the living room?" She's yeah. like, "She's mad." Like yeah. you just you went negative. Right. And and again, on the innocent side, it's like I wouldn't approach it or put it this way. Because I, as soon as you say, "Hey babe, didn't you see I yeah. that's when you wrote your intent on your t-shirt. I wanted exactly. credit." Exactly, right. But I wouldn't approach her all like, hey, like mad. Mm -hmm. I would be like, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. But still, the intent is kind of. The, but it, the, that? The, yeah, fully. But the point is, you really want that. Like you want it, so it'll come so natural to be like, wait a second, look at the living room, you know, mm -hmm. or like, you know, like uh, you know, at work, you'd give these examples all the time at work, where you know you, this project is turned in. Mm -hmm. And you did like literally half the work, right? And you know, you advise, which again takes practice, but. It, I, I agree is ideal to be like, no, 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 you give the credit to your mm -hmm. team, right? Even though you did half the work or three quarters of whatever. But when you're Can new hear to your intent when you say that. <laughs> Even though you did half the work, see? Sometimes all of it. But the the um the compulsion to like want the credit, right? Especially to like a boss that you really want him to like strong like respect you and respect your work or whatever, probably strong. And it's not even necessarily evil or malicious. You just like I want to be represented accurately in the in the results of this project kind of a thing, you know? So it's like so natural to be compelled to be like, hey, but then just like I said, once you jump out there and start saying, hey, I want, basically this is what you're doing. What you're saying is correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, sure, Echo, you did have to work, correct. But what you're doing, jumping in the limelight and saying, wait, what about the, the my praise? Because I want my praise too for me. That's what you're doing. It's not correct. Yeah. It's not good. Whenever you try, and that, when you have that feeling, I mean, we're going, there's a whole new rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. Because now we're getting resentful, sure, right? And once you get resentful, then you go Cain and Abel, and next thing you know, you're killing your brother because you didn't get the credit <laughs> that you wanted, right? Sure. So what happens? Yeah. Because yeah, your intent is bad. Yeah. Because when Cain made his sacrifice to God, yeah. he did it because he wanted to look good. Mm. He didn't mm. do it just as a pure sacrifice like Abel did. Abel's like, hey, thank you, God, but here's my sacrifice. Cain was like, here's my sacrifice. Isn't it like, can I get a little, can I get a little head nod over here? Big G man. Yep. But no, it was uh, not enough. If he wrote his intent, it would say, I'm making sacrifice to God so that I can be, so I can go into his light. Abel said, I'm making a sacrifice to God because I want to support him. Not about me. Let me ask so you this. Kind of has something to do with it. Made me think of it. So, you know, bragging, right? Yeah. Bragging. And then there's like humble bragging, mm. right? <laughs> Which is like kind of that, right? <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> like they're making. Yeah. Like, anyway, so <laughs> are there except, like, can you, can you brag about something? Is it ever like kind of cool or fine for someone to brag about something I, you think I, from an ideal standpoint? I, I, I think the answer is no. I mean, I'm right. sure, look, we could parse the world apart and find a place where it makes sense. But I can't really think of one, man. I can't think of one where that adds, gives you credit. Right. I can't give you, I can't give you a situation where, you know what? It's a good time to brag about me. Now, is there time to brag about your team? And your intent is to really truly give them recognition? Right. Yep. But isn't that not bragging? Well, you're bragging about your team. You're not bragging about yourself. That's the that's the difference. It's still bragging, but it's bragging about your team. Yeah. Now look, there's a component of if it's my team, you know, right. kind of like me, because you right. know, so there's a component of that. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of a humble brag, right? Right, right. Hey right. boss, you know, I just want to let you know my team came in first again for sales this month. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's a, that's a humble brag. Yeah. You know, hey, we closed that client that no one else could close. Just wanted to let you know. I thought that was pretty cool. Thanks for the support. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> little humble brag. Sure. Little humble brag. Yeah. So. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I obviously, I. The whole absolute. Because I'm with you. I, I. It doesn't feel like it. And no, I've yet look, to find it. I'm not making an absolute statement. Right, sure. right. 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 I'm saying, but like off the top of my head, yeah, when is the like right it. time to brag? Yeah. Can't think of any out right away. Agree. Yeah. I can't think of a time where I'm like, hey, it's pretty cool to actually say, hey, don't I look, don't I look strong right now? Like, when is that cool? Well, like, hey, I, my jujitsu is good today, or you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't. It, I can't think of a situation like that. Yeah. So, my answer. Yeah. I'm look. Can you find an example? 
I'm sure we could parse the world and find some moment where the right thing to do was to was to brag. Yeah. You know, like you're in a line of people being executed and you're like, you know, I'm the one that should be executed because I'm the tallest, right? You know, you're kind of bragging, but yeah. 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 Shooting me would have the most impact, so you should do it now. Right. Because I'm the I'm the most powerful leader here. Yeah. Okay, you bragged and now you die and maybe that's the good time. Maybe. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that but then that's not to Bro, say what are you searching for? That, what are you searching for? You look like No, that's it. I'm okay. actually that was what I was wondering like from you. Cause I I don't know. Cause is there an exception? Like obviously bragging like is is looked at as like mm, not not the ideal scenario. Mm-hmm. No, that's not to say just because you brag you're bad or that was a bad move necessarily or whatever. But let's face it, it kind of is. There. <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing that makes it worse. There's nothing like there's no time where bragging adds to your adds to your clout. No time. Again, that I can think of at this moment in time where to say, hey, you know what? You know, here's my CV. You know what I mean? What about if you brag for giving like a bunch of money to a school or charity or something? Same thing, bro. Same, right? Like you just took it away. Mm. You just took away credit that you would get if you just would keep your mouth shut and just be a cool person. If your intent was just to help the school, and then someone was like found out like hey echo I heard you donated ten thousand dollars to this school mm-hmm. and You're like, oh, yeah, you know We had a little extra money, so I tried to help out, you know as opposed to like hey Can you guys name this sidewalk after me the echo <laughs> Charles, you know pedestrian school sidewalk? Yeah, hell yeah, get my name out there. Yeah But then again if you're gonna brag about something that's a pretty good one to brag about Don't brag Yeah We'll, we'll try to self aware. Be self aware. All right, got it. Check. Thanks, Chaco. All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to do some Q and A. First question is Chaco Echo. Hey, I don't know if you actually get this, but I'm 25. I was in a really bad car crash. Broke broke three fingers in multiple spots and pulled multiple ligaments in my dominant hand. Before I, I before that, I was working really hard to better myself, and now I don't know if I'll ever ever be able to. I've never felt so useless and afraid of what my future will bring. I was just hoping I was just hoping if you had any advice I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, so like as I heard the beginning of that question, I was in a really bad car crash. Like in that split second of time, mm. I'm I'm set up for I'm set up for like serious, serious issues. I'm thinking you're about to say that you lost your wife or you lost your brother, you lost your best friend or your wife or your brother or best friend was gravely injured. That's what I'm thinking. In that split second, I'm thinking catastrophic scenario. And then I thought for another split second, oh wait, maybe this happened to you, right? You that wrote this question, maybe you got paralyzed or you lost your legs or you lost your arms or you were blinded I like something this is this is a life-changing scenario to you and and then you say you broke three fingers and pulled ligaments in your dominant hand which absolutely is a bummer man it's a bummer i hate being injured I don't like it. I don't like it when I have like a like an infection on your fingernail and it kind of hurts to hold someone's gi and it like really bothers you and you're like, dude, this is it's never going to go away, right? Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like being injured. You can't do what you want to do, right? Um, and look, I get it, man. Broke three fingers, pulled multiple ligaments. Guess what, man? If you think that now you're not going to ever be able to better yourself you're just wrong man you're wrong go listen to go listen to the podcast with dan canossen go listen to the podcast with nick nick lavery go listen to the podcast with travis mills or rob jones or kirsty ennis or jim sursley i mean dan canossen lost both legs uh, nick lost one leg travis lost all his limbs rob jones lost both of his legs Kirsty lost her leg. Jim Sersley lost both legs and one arm. And every one of those individuals gets better every day. 
Every one of them. And and actually, you you definitely can better yourself right now. And in fact, you are going to become better than you ever could have if you hadn't hurt your hand. Because now you realize you got to focus. Now you got to push yourself more. You got to be more. You got to become more. You got to be more focused. You got to be more disciplined. That's what's going on. That's the reality. So, dude, throw some ice on the fingers, right? And and go get after it. That's what I got. Glad you're all right, man. <clears throat> yeah, that dominant hand thing is kind of jams you up at first. Yep. Like when I had surgery on my on my bicep was my dominant hand. Yep. And you kind of it becomes real clear. Yep. Like how much you use that hand more than you thought or yep. whatever. But the good news is, bro, after like one week, I was notably better at doing stuff with mm-hmm. my what do you call non-dominant hand. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you kind of do the math there. You're like, oh, wait, this is way le- going to be way less of a factor than you might have thought mm-hmm. at first, you know. So maybe this is early on for the guy. And then after a while, you'd be like, oh, wait, kind of get used to it and there continue you on. Next question. I recently have been chosen to run the defensive tactics training for a sheriff's department with approximately 300 personnel in a mostly rural county. There's a high probability that our deputies will have to take a combative suspect into custody by themselves, with the closest backup being 20 miles away. We've begun incorporating grappling and jujitsu techniques in our in our annual training, and it's been very effective. I'm a former 197-pound college wrestler, and these techniques come naturally to me. But for smaller and or inexperienced officers, the takedowns are very difficult, especially when the suspect is larger than they are. Do you have any suggestions on how to take down a combative suspect who's larger than the officer using wrestling or jujitsu techniques? Okay, so you say you when you read the question, you read twenty miles away. It's twenty minutes away, which you know probably probably pretty close. You know, going sixty miles an hour. Um, so so here's a couple things that I'm thinking about from a big picture. You're in a rural situation, and you've got a person that you need to take into custody. What is it that is making you try and do that for time? Like is someone with a is there someone with a stopwatch that's like all right you showed up on scene now you have to take them into custody right now mm. as opposed to being hey look make your call hey I'm out at the freaking Jones farm and we I got a guy he we're gonna arrest him he's he did whatever do you have to do it right now or can you like wait for backup mm. what are you doing why are you charging in there if you don't have any backup. Like that's a that's a legitimate question, and this is stuff that I went through in combat. You start thinking, what is what, what you know? If someone runs off target, and we go chasing them off target. Where are we going? Mm. Where are they going? How much tactical advantage are we giving up if we are now running around in the streets? If they get away, what happens? You know, for instance, if you're in a Let's say a, let's say a, an area in Iraq that's out by out in a rural situation, and someone runs, someone runs off target. You could go chasing them immediately. You don't know where you're running to. You haven't told everyone what's going on. Well, they're going to get away. No, they're not. There's an aircraft overhead with thermal vision. They're like, hey, he's in a ditch over by the road. You walk over there, grab him. Once you have security set, once you have everything handled. And you have the upper hand, you have the tactical advantage. So when someone in a rural area needs to be handled, why would you rush that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't rush it. Be like, I'd probably like, you know, what the dude's committing some kind of a, of a bad behavior. You show up with the lights and sirens on, what does he keep doing it like right in front of you? Or is he going to stop? Is he going to start walking around? And like, okay, let him stop. Let him walk around. De-escalate. Right? People, you so you're going to stall. Hey, you call for backup and then you stall. What does that mean? That means you sit in your car for a second, watch him. Sit in your car for three minutes, watch him. Sit in your car for five minutes, watching him. Put your spotlight on him. You know, get on the loudspeaker. Hey, is everything okay, sir? 
We got a call about some activities out here. It's so stall. You know what he wants to do? He doesn't want to get arrested. He's going to stall too. He's going to be like strike up a conversation, right? So you talk to them and you wait for backup. And listen, if that doesn't work, if you've got a person that is hot, like legitimately hostile, this guy's beating his wife or whatever, he's doing something. Because if he's running, if, if you show up and he was beating his wife and then he runs away, well, okay, let him run away. We know who he is. We know where he lives. We know where a kind of car he drives. Like this is, actually we work with a police department. They did this exact thing. Like it was one of their good lessons learned as they started thinking about things more strategically. They had a guy that basically, and I forget the exact scenario, but they had pulled a guy over, got him out of the car. I think he failed his DUI test. I forget, I'm, I'm kind of making up the scenario, but it was something like this. And he like had some kind of a warrant and all of a sudden he ran. And you know what they did? They had his driver's license. They let him run. They're like, hey, we're not gonna chase this guy. He's got a warrant, he's a violent person. Just let him run. We'll go back and get him tomorrow. What was the risk versus reward? The guy wasn't like on a rampage. It wasn't like he was an active shooter. He was a knucklehead who had a warrant for something stupid. And they're like, okay, he ran away. Cool, we'll get him tomorrow. We know where he lives. We literally have his driver's license. He was on his way to his house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what can you do from that perspective? Like I said, if you've got someone that's actively Maybe he's drunk, maybe he's drugged, maybe he's in a fit of rage, and so he's actively committing violent acts, okay, then you've gotta go in there, right? Then you gotta handle things. Um, Non-lethal weapons, for sure, right? So we got tasers, we got pepper spray, mace, or whatever, you got baton, like those are some things you can do, but you're specifically asking about wrestling and BJJ techniques. Well, first of all, let's remember that that you don't learn this stuff in, in, quickly as you know you're a wrestler if you wanted to to ask me what you should teach that would be effective quickest uh i think one of the good things here is when you look at some judo techniques when you look at judo techniques like the sotogari which is you know like the basic like what you would do instinctually as a kid mm-hmm. to tr- to take down one of your friends, grab him by the shirt and uh, and and sweep his legs out from under him. What's good about that is it what's and what I like about this judo thing is look if I'm going to arrest you I'm gonna per- I'm gonna approach you in a way where you don't square off and get in a fighting stance you know I'm I'm not walking over you like I'm gonna aggressively attack you. I'm walking over here, hey man, I'd really like to talk to you about what's going on. You know, like I'm I'm doing everything I can so that you're not in an aggressive fighting stance. So like those judo that like that judo move is done from a very upright position for both you and the opponent. So maybe you look at teaching them a basic Osotogari leg sweep, outer leg reap, large outer reap or whatever it is in Japanese. Right, so this is a very basic move. Did you ever do that as a bouncer? Not a sotogari, no. What would you use? Um, well, I remember using various shoves of sorts, but mm-hmm. keep in mind, I don't tend not to fight with people. And you also want to get them out of there as the yeah. main goal. Yeah, so as soon as you take them down, now they're in the club, we don't want that. Yeah, I've never <sighs> taken someone down in the club. Oh, I dragged someone out, yeah, yeah but yeah. that's like just regular, right. you know, body lock. Well, and that's the other thing I was gonna say. Another another thing that's nice to do from sort of a more upright position, and again, my idea is that you're not approaching somebody combative with, with you're showing them your aggression. Yeah. You're not approaching them that they go, oh, damn, this police officer's coming to take me down right now. You yeah. don't want them to think that. Yeah. You want them to think, hey, man, I just wanna talk to you about, <laughs> you just did in a Sotogari. Mm-hmm. Or another good one, arm drag. arm drag. Here's the problem with the arm drag. You do the arm drag, now you have their back, now you wanna put it in a choke, and I know in a lot of police departments, chokes are, you're not allowed to do them. Mm. So maybe you have to, there's some other takedowns you could do once you're behind somebody, but I would look for, for the question that's being asked, number one, let's go over some tactics, techniques, and procedures that we can come up with so that we can get back up. 
How can we stall? How can we contain or not contain? Maybe we're more focused if guy shows up, he's beating his wife and he runs off, cool. Now I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take care of his wife. Make sure she's getting help. He's, he's out hiding in the woods, good. He's not causing any problems, you don't have to take any risk. What's he doing out there? He's got a freaking pistol, I don't know. I don't wanna go grapple with this dude. I wanna, I wanna protect his wife and tomorrow when he goes to get in his car, we arrest him when we have five guys. Or I take six guys and we go out in the woods with a helicopter overhead or we, we take out our handheld thermal because we're all deer hunters out there in this rural area. We take out our thermal, we look for this guy, we see him hiding, we walk out there with five guys and we get a hold of him. So I would talk through tactics of what to do when how we can delay this and how we can get our back up there. 20 minutes, you know, as long as there's not active, you know, crime being committed, okay, I'll wait 20 minutes. Then think about those non-lethal weapons and then think about these, you know, again, I, th- I like some of these big more judo. And look, judo moves go from very solid in this situation to like mm, that you wouldn't want to do that. So think, same thing, with, same thing with wrestling moves. Like there's some really good Greco moves where you're going to, you know, get that angle on someone and be able to get them down. But, you know, as far as shooting a double leg on somebody with no backup around, it's not my it's not my game plan. Mm-hmm. That's not my game plan. I'm not shooting a double. Hey, by the way, you're a 148 pound cop or a 162 pound cop that didn't wrestle and didn't do jujitsu, and you just you know you just came up to Farmer Fred that weighs 240 right now. And by the way, in high school he wrestled 208. <laughs> you're not getting him to the ground. No. You're not. In fact, you're getting your ass beat. Yeah, you have to assume that the other people that you're going against wrestled. You have to assume that, especially in a rural area like this. You're in farm country, bro. They're out there. You're in Iowa. They wrestled. The guy's got cauliflower ears, right? And he throws hay bales <laughs> so, all day. Yep. So let's be smart. And this is why we keep training. This is why we keep training. So the one of the main things that you can talk about is why we keep training. Because there might be a time when you don't have a choice. So those are things to think about. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. You always come up with these these indirect, kind of more comprehensive solutions to these situations. It's always good. And what's good is if you think about it beforehand, mm. you will think you will be ready with that type of solution yeah. when you get there. If all you're doing, if your combatives class is just doing takedowns, you get into it, you, you have one tool. The tool is a takedown. Yeah. When you go, oh, well, you know what? My main tool is actually de-escalation, buy time, make sure nothing bad is happening, protect the innocent people, protect property if I have to. I mean like, oh, these guys smashing out the windows of the car. Okay, yeah. you know, well, I'll wait for backup. Getting four more charges on him, you know? He Oh, there goes another window, that just went to a felony now. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. We really have to think about, you know, remember we had a question on here about someone was like, he was saying that his department, he was mad at his department because they weren't allowing high-speed pursuits, mm. you know? I was like, hey, man, I don't want you doing a high-speed high pursuit on a random person that ran a stoplight or whatever they did unless they're an active shooter or plowing into people. Mm. Man, put the helicopter up, get his license plate number. We'll, we'll find him later. You, you know, the minute you throw in like someone going 110 miles an hour down a residential street where your family lives, no, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to think. We're trying to think. And also trying to think about worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Try and think about worst case scenarios because that's what you end up with. Those are the catastrophic ones. You jump in there, you train this guy to do a double leg takedown, and he ends, he's a 170 pound guy, tries to take down a freaking cornbread wrestler that's weighing 248 right now, and he's getting smashed. So let's think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Actually, for cops, uh, Officer Craig Hanalmi, mm-hmm. Bellevue, Washington, he has some good, like, it's actually the the Gracie Combative stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of it, that I saw anyway. It, he has some good just like one, one off techniques, you know, yep, like yep. to do that. And it's good because it's specifically for police. 
So he takes in, takes into account weapon, yep. all that stuff. Like in regular jiu-jitsu, like you can kind of intuitively be like, oh, I can easily make this guy not touch my hip. But that's not specific. Like usually regular jiu-jitsu, you don't train specifically yeah. for that kind of situation. So it's good to get it from an officer. Yep. Craig, you know? Yeah. No, the those combatives program, the Gracie combatives one, they've worked with a ton of cops over the years doing that stuff. And again, you're going to find these same principles that we're talking about. Yes, like sir. you do not, this is not the primary methodology isn't, oh, I know jujitsu, so I'm going to go take people down. Yeah, yeah. It's not what we're doing. I don't want to, I don't want to have to. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. And you for sure don't want to pull guard. So there you, you go. definitely don't want to pull guard. Nope. Next question. Hey guys, I have a question on the application of a lot of your principles as it applies to kids, specifically to a 15 year old girl. My wife and I have 10 kids in total, ages 19 down to almost one. We have the typical issues as parents with most of the kids, but in general, they're pretty decent. Our 15-year-old daughter is different. She was born during during a time when I was dealing with years of injuries, chronic pain, and surgeries. I think that affected her a lot. She is wickedly self-destructive. Her decision-making is subpar in the extreme. She's de- defiant, heavily authoritarian, anti-authoritarian, prone to lying, stealing, and never takes ownership. She's also really funny, really smart, and insanely athletic. I tried jujitsu for her. She refused to go. I tried counseling. She refuses to talk. We haven't been able to get through to her. The question is, how do I get through to her to impress upon her the importance of building on good decisions? How to show her the, po- the positive outcomes from owning her mistakes? How to show her that most of her adversity is self-inflicted? How to use an in- indirect approach when any approach is resisted so heavily? Thanks. Yeah. Um, first of all, like, look, raising kids is going to be really hard, especially when you got ten of them. And I've known people, I've known people that were incredible parents that had kids that went completely off the rails in the worst possible ways. So it is a hard job. Uh, and for that reason, like number one thing I would say to you is what kind of professional help can you get that can understand the nuances of the situation? Because this is three paragraphs about you know a girl that is going through all kinds of stuff. So what can you do to find someone professionally that can help you here? Help you. Help you. Because if she's not open to help, that means you need to figure out what you can do. Like some kind of family counselor that can help you move forward um sounds like you know she's a real hard case right um the positive thing is she's super strong-willed <laughs> you know she's super determined she's super smart she thinks for herself uh you say that she's really smart she's insanely athletic but that's all awesome i am looking to just like any other human being that i want to influence I want to build a relationship with her. What that means is listening to her. You know, if you want her to listen to you, you listen to her. If you want her to respect you, you treat her with respect. If you want her to trust you, you give her trust. If you want her to be influenced by you, you allow yourself to be influenced by her. If you want her to care about you, you have to care about her. So what we're not doing, and it sounds like you could be possibly doing this a little bit, what we're not doing is ramming things down her throat. We're not telling her, you need to take extreme ownership. Like that, that is imposing on her, and she's gonna have psychological reactance, which is I'm gonna reject what my parents are saying because people don't like to be told what to do. And people that have this attitude don't like it even more. How do I know that? Because I had a, a lot of this attitude. If she wasn't stealing stuff and lying, I mean, I was definitely defiant. I was definitely anti-authoritarian. I was wild. So I know that when I was being told to do things, my natural reaction was to reject. So you have some of that. So what do you do? Instead of trying to impose on her, listen to her. Treat her with respect. Here's, so that's one, that's one approach. Another approach, um, give her some space. Right, give her some space. Uh, I know that asking kids when they're when they're acting uh, sad, angry, mad, whatever, negative, 
if your natural reaction, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? That doesn't help. It doesn't help. What's wrong? I can almost guarantee you know what you're going to get for an answer? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just about guarantee. I know this from personal experience. Like you try that three times and you get nothing. Guess what? This is not a good approach. It's not working. You need to take a different approach. Give them some space, man. Give them some space. You know, like give them some space. I gave that advice to an adult a little while ago that was really crowding their kids. And I and 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 puzzled that she was getting pushed away as a mom. She was getting pushed away. I don't know why they don't want to see me. They don't want to talk to me. Like I can tell you why. You're smothering them. Give them some space. 13 years old and 15 years old, 14 years old, 12 years old. 12 years old, that person's starting to need some space. Starting to need it. Starting to need it. 13, they need space. 15, open air theater. <laughs> like you, you need to give them space. Now look, could you have a kid that doesn't need space? Yeah, sure. But you know, there's a little bit of like, how do you treat someone more like an adult, right? Maybe not doing everything for her. Maybe, maybe making sure she understands the simple things like how much things cost. Like, you know, kids are drinking that soda, but they're not obeying, like they're not helping clean up. They're eating dinner, but not helping clean. Mm. Man, that stuff's not free. So some, some level of conversations around that, some levels of like boundaries and, and consequences, like, hey, look, and this is, this is an idea of like giving, giving kids more freedom, right? Give them that space. You know, it always surprises people. My kids don't have curfews. I have grown a, adult children now. I have one that's still in the house at the age of 13, but the other ones are out of the house. Mm. And when they were teenagers, and people are always surprised, they didn't have curfews. There was a couple times where they had curfews. They caused issues. They caused they they stepped outside the box, acceptable, got some curfews for a little while, and then it was back to no curfews. Now, that being said, they knew there would be major consequences if there was behavior that was outside the box. Like drugs outside the box. I don't like drugs. Uh, drugs. You, 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 hey, look, I know a bunch of people do drugs and they're, they're fine with it. I also know that there's a lot of people that once they do drugs, their whole life spirals into doom. So not worth the risk, especially not worth the risk when you're 15 or 16 years old, right? So drugs, real problem for me. Grades, gotta be, gotta have good grades. Gotta have good grades. Hey, listen, some other things that kids are gonna do. Okay, kids are gonna do it. Kids, are, you, you, you know what? Your kid's gonna go get, you know, drink. And I know it's a drug, but they're gonna go drink with their friends at the party. They're probably gonna pass out, whatever. And if you are, uh, you know, a tyrant about this stuff, well, then they're gonna drink without you knowing about it. They're gonna do a sleepover at the other person's house. They're gonna, that's when kids get go too far. That's when kids like die from alcohol poisoning or whatever. So, you know, your kids are gonna do some stuff like that. They're gonna do the little mischievous things that kids do. They're gonna, you know, throw tomatoes at cars. And I'm not, look, I'm not condoning this behavior. You gotta accept that there's gonna be some rebellion. They're gonna, they're gonna get in fights, right? Gonna be some fades, (laughs) you know what I mean? Sure. I mean, you, you know, like, yep. and if you're freaking out about that, so yeah, and I'm sure there's someone right now like, are you kidding me? Throwing cars at it, you know, throwing tomatoes at a car. This is could cause accidents. I get it. Maybe that's not the best example, but your kids are going to do things that are mischievous, right? So you 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 want to give them a little bit of room to be a kid. Um. You know, so, and this really, all this stuff is like a little bit of the indirect approach, you know? And if you can support anything that's remotely positive that's going on, and if you can try and understand that anything that's that you deem as negative, right? Uh, bad music. Like you hear some music 
and you're like, what is this? <laughs> it's devil music, right? Or whatever. Sure. And you freak out about that? Instead of being like, well, what, what is this? What is this band? <laughs> Who is this artist? Well, go watch some videos, see what's up. Dang, that was a, that's a wild video. I watched that video. That guy had a sick car. Or what, you know, whatever. Like how can you, they're dressing weird, right? You can freak out about that. Kids wearing something. The, the, the shirt's too short for the girls. The halter top. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. But you can freak out about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the leather jacket or whatever. I don't know what, what kids are doing these days. Probably <laughs> clothing is just off the hook now. Yeah. But, you know, like, they're, oh, the girl's wearing a bunch of makeup or whatever, right? Not looking the way, not looking like a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. You can freak out about that. You can. No makeup. Or you can just be like, oh, whatever, you know? Okay, she's wearing a bunch of makeup. She's 14, going through a phase. Kind of got to remember a lot of stuff is a phase, man. Yep. Got to remember that. They're going through a phase, let me tell you that. Mm. There's a really good chance that your 15-year-old daughter is going through a phase right now. So try and understand what they've got going on. Not intrusively like, what music is this? But like legitimately. Mm. So those are some things I would think about. And with all that, I gotta say also, what I started with is like, again, there's nuance here. When you say self-destructive, that, that can be really scary, right? That could be cutting, that could be, uh, you know, what, eating disorder type stuff. There could be some really scary things there. The stealing, the lying, like when you throw all that stuff together, the, the, it sounds to me like there's a some kind of an underlying issue that likely needs to be addressed by a professional, not by me. So what you can do to try and move in that direction, and I think it actually starts with you getting professional help and trying to better understand what's happening and then applying some of the techniques that I'm talking about so that you can get build some trust with her so you can find out what's going on or some counselor or psychologist can find out what's going on because when you start talking about wickedly self-destruction, wickedly self-destructive, I'm heartbroken when I hear that and I'm not qualified to help you through that. So I think professional help is truly what is in order. So that's what I got, man. Yeah, that feels like a big task, 10 kids. Yep. That's a lot of kids. 10 kids is definitely a lot of kids, 100%. Um, a little tactic and look, I'm no family uh, therapist, nothing mm-hmm. like this. You know that about me. But I will say this is a little tactic. Mm-hmm. If you're not doing it already, but this is a tactic that works almost instantly in my experience, which isn't very much. But either way, if you know how like it's super easy to be like, oh, yeah, your kid or whoever like does something wrong. It's easy, it's easy to see the wrong stuff and say, hey, don't do that mm-hmm. and all that, that right? But what's not quite, doesn't come quite as naturally is when they do something right, is there like positive mm-hmm. results from them doing it right from you, I mean, right? Because mm-hmm. you're going to get yelled at or whatever the protocol is when they do something wrong. So when they do something right, give them like, hey, I, I noticed you did that right there. That was good. That was real good. Basically enforce the good behavior. Mm-hmm. I think we forget this way sometimes, yeah, you know, sure. like way more than the bad. I'll tell you that. But if you can kind of remember to do that, man, that goes a long way, man. Yeah. And it's like, in my experience anyway, when I did focus on that, it can't change the behavior almost instantly. Mm-hmm. It's weird because they want to, um, I guess you have to have a good relationship with them, which thankfully I do, but they, it's almost like they want to do more of that. Yeah. Or it is. That's what they want to do. They want to do more of that good stuff so yeah. they can get that reinforced. There's also another thing that you can do is you can, like, let's say your daughter's going to go do a jiu-jitsu tournament. Mm-hmm. She'd been training hard. And she's been training hard, but she just got her orange belt, yeah. right? And she's going to do her first tournament as an orange belt. Mm. And she's like, I'm going to win. Mm. It's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. I'm, I've been training so hard. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know what? I'm going to set expectations correctly. And so you say, you know, 
you're gonna do good, but you just got your orange belt, so I'm not really sure that you're gonna win because there's gonna be a lot of really good competitors there. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on, that seems like a good strategy, right? Seems like it. Yeah. That's, that's, like that's it. my instinctive strategy. Yeah. Let's help. But there's sometimes where they, what they're thinking is, oh, I, my own dad doesn't think I can win this. Yeah. Why am I even doing this? So there's a nice middle ground, you know, of like, hey, definitely you've been training hard. Let's go get after it. You know, like there's sometimes trying to do the right thing a little too hard, especially considering and reading into stuff like set expectations and all that. Be like, let's let's help the confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Dig it. All right, next question. Dear Jocko Echo, I've been on a journey of discovering who I truly am and seeking to make it better. I'm a guy that knows how to succeed in almost any ecosystem. Ecosystem. He's a listener. I've become adept to doing what is necessary to be seen as a good guy with everything put together. But the truth is I'm falling short in a lot of areas. As I seek to get on the path in every area of life, I'm wondering which approach should I take? Should I attempt to immediately raise the standard to perfection in all areas at the same time? Should I try to make small improvements on every area simultaneously, slowly working them all up to the standard? Or should I tackle them one at a time, getting one area perfect before moving on to anything else? Understand that the effect of consistent discipline compounds with time. And I want to use that most to my advantage. The underground has provided invaluable advice. I'm grateful for all you both do. Yeah, I think uh, I think the middle road is really what we're looking at here. You know, pick a few areas, small improvements in a few areas at a time that will have good payoff. Like I think this is, you know, if you try and improve every <laughs> area of your life at one time, mm. that's too much. You can't even. It would be hard if I said, "All right, tonight I'm going to write down a schedule to." Pre- to improve every area of my life starting tomorrow? Mm. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just writing down that schedule would take too much time. Uh, the, the other end of the spectrum is like focusing on one area and trying to make it perfect. That That's too narrow. Mm. First of all, we know we're not gonna make perfection in anything. And there's only so much you can do. Like, you know, how much fitness work can you do tomorrow to improve your fitness? Mm. Uh, how much jujitsu can you do in one day that you can reach perfection? How much, if you just dedicate, like I'm gonna build my relationship with my kids. Okay, what are you gonna do? Spend 11 hours with them tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Like, you can only work so many hours at your job if you're trying to perfect your professional career. So let's not do that. Let's pick two or three things at a time that you can start increasing your daily effort to improve on. Um, once one of those things gets good, you can add another, you got two or three things you're working on. Once one of those, like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this now. Cool. Move, you know, what, what other thing can you add into the mix? You can get good at something else. Like you were talking about the other day, Echo, there's all these skills that you can actually learn right now mm-hmm. and rotate through them too. You know, this is, you've heard me talk about like how sometimes, you know, I'll be on a, on a, on the, the, the deadlift train. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Going on the deadlift train. Well, probably your pull up train is going to go down a little bit. You're getting heavier. You're getting, you know, bigger. So you're, maybe your pull ups are going down a little bit as opposed to you're on the pull up train. Deadlifts are going to go down. You're getting a little lighter. You're doing all these high reps or like squatting versus running. I'm not saying like you can be good at both, but you're not going to be expert at squatting or running. As you run more, your squat's gonna go down a little bit. As you squat more, your run's gonna go down a little bit. There's a happy medium too, like if you're depending on how you're squatting. But if you're squatting for like max weight, your running is gonna go down. I'm not saying you can't be really good at squatting and really good at running, you can, that's the goal. But, I, you know, so I think that's the plan. I think the plan is you pick two things, three things maybe, and you figure out some small adjustments you can make in your life where you can start improving upon those and then you go execute. And then as you get to a better level in those, you decide maybe some else I wanna wanna bring in. And you know what, lastly, stay balanced, man. Have fun, enjoy life. Discipline equals freedom, but you you gotta take advantage of the freedom sometimes, right? 
take advantage of the freedom. Make sure you're stopping and smelling the roses from time to time. That's my advice. Agree. Check. All right. We got one more? Yep, one more. I've recently been dismissed from my job. My, my coworkers totally turned on me when they were in, interviewed about my investigation at work. I feel so let down and feel that I shouldn't trust anybody again, but don't want to end up bitter and twisted. Do you have any advice how I overcome the situation? Um, I, this is a, I'm not 100% sure what's going on in this question. Like, you know, there's an investigation. Everyone turns on you. You get fired. Like, that's terrible to hear. I, you know, I don't know the details of this. Uh, I would, like, everyone turns on me. I'm thinking about what I did wrong. What did I do wrong? What was my intent? You know, this goes down to what we opened with today. What was my, what is my intent at work? So did I have the right intent? And if I didn't have the right intent, this is probably what you ended up with. Um, trust, when you talk about trusting people, should be slowly given. And also you shouldn't give away leverage to other people. You got to be very careful of that. Just because you trust someone doesn't mean you should give them leverage. You shouldn't. You shouldn't trust them where they now have leverage over you. That's not good. Now, eventually, when you have people close to you in your life, you'll end up with people that have leverage over you, and you'll have leverage over them too. And the, the reason you trust each other is because neither one of you are going to utilize that leverage to hurt the other one. So that's that. That happens, but you should. You should have more leverage as you are getting to know people and as you're putting trust into them. And look, like I said, I don't know the scenario, but this means when you're at work or you're with a family or you're doing something in life, that means you should take the high ground. It means you should take the high ground so when an investigation happens, people go, you know, Fred did the right thing. And if you did take the high ground, what I'm hearing now is you got a bunch of people lying about you and this is like a wrongful termination suit, right? So, you know, again, I don't know what happened in the scenario. I don't know the details, obviously, but there was an investigation. We don't, you know, I got investigated a bunch. Always got uh, cleared, but you know, when you're getting investigated, it doesn't feel good. There's something that had, that, that, that led to it. There's the saying where there's smoke, there's fire. That's not always necessarily true, but I try and make sure there's no smoke. Never mind fire. So that's why we always take the high ground. Now, building relationships, like I said, that that doesn't when you're building relationships with people, it doesn't mean exposing yourself to treachery of any kind, right? And they turned on you. It sounds like they had some kind of leverage or something they could hold over you and that's a bad place to be. Now listen, is there a chance that this group was completely just in unison conspiring against you and they all lied together as a group and they burned you? That could be true. That could be true. And if it's true, good riddance. Like I'm glad you got fired because now you can go get a job with better people that aren't terrible. So could that have happened? Yes, that could have happened. Is it likely that you did make some mistakes? Yep. If I have everyone turn against me, there's a good chance that I did something wrong. Maybe what I did wrong was trusting these people, right? Maybe that's what I did wrong. And if that's what I did wrong, cool. I'm gonna be more, more careful in the future. I'm gonna own that mistake so that I don't make those mistakes again. But going back to the question here, Trust, when you talk about the actual question, uh, trust, like how do you overcome this situation so that you don't get to a point where you don't just feel like you can't trust anybody? Trust needs to be given, to be received, but don't over-trust people too quickly. Don't give them leverage over you because that has a big risk profile. And just to finalize this, you do have to trust people in life. And many, if not most people, are trustworthy. That's how you have friends.
That's why you don't have, that's why sociopaths and psychopaths have to move from town to town. It's a small percentage of people. It's a small percentage of people that are gonna just lie and, and screw people over. Most people aren't like that. If you happen to be in the situation where there was four of these psychopaths together or one of them was a leader and had leverage over all the other ones and this bad scenario unfolded, yep, it can happen. Be careful. Don't just give that trust away. Don't let people get leverage over you. But you have to have some trust because that's how you have friends and that's how you have a life with cool people in it. So, it's a bummer. Um, Go find a freaking kick-ass job. Make some new friends. And uh, that's it for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause. As always, we're drinking Jocko Fuel right here. Drinking some of that Discipline Go. That dang, that 50-50 tactical tea. That's your jam. (laughs) So good. Uh, JockoFuel.com, OriginUSA.com, JockoStore.com, EchelonFront.com. You know, we're out there. We're on the interwebs. We appreciate you guys supporting this cause. We're trying to give you that information that you can utilize in your life to go out and crush. And we will be here crushing ourselves on the underground where we remain always free. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko out.